Welcome to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons. On today's show, my co-host in the studio is Doug Wortham, and we're going to take a look at an extraordinary career served in the Minnesota Air National Guard and made a new Yellow Ribbon Company. But first, it's time for Generally Speaking, a weekly message from the Adjutant General of the Minnesota National Guard, Major General Sean Mankey. Each year from September 15th to October 15th, Americans observe National Hispanic Heritage Month to celebrate the contributions of Americans whose ancestors came from Spain, Mexico, the Caribbean, and Central and South America. September is a significant month because it's the anniversary of independence for many Latin American countries. While there is much to celebrate culturally, Hispanic Americans have made countless sacrifices in defense of our nation. During the Spanish-American War, several thousand Hispanic volunteers, mostly from the southwestern United States, fought with distinction in the U.S. Army. Some of these soldiers joined Colonel Theodore Roosevelt's infamous Rough Riders and fought in Cuba. Hispanics continue to fight with distinction throughout both World Wars, Korea, and Vietnam. Their selfless service and dedication to the United States military remain strong today. On behalf of the Minnesota National Guard, please join me in celebrating and recognizing the exceptional contributions of these Americans, both past and present. Thank you, General Mankey. For more information, please go to minnesotamilitaryradio.com. As I said at the opening, we're going to celebrate an extraordinary career today of retired Brigadier General Sandra Best. Uh, she is the Minnesota National Guard, uh, has celebrated the retirement of the first female general officer after she served more than 38 years in the organization, Sandy was the first woman to be promoted to the rank of general in the Minnesota National Guard since its inception in 1856. Yet she did not use this recognition to hinder service members. Instead, she used her position to lift up women and men in the organization. And uh, Sergeant Major, uh, you retired as a command sergeant major for the state of Minnesota, and you worked with our guest for a long time. Uh, please welcome... Uh, Retired Brigadier General Sandy Best. Yeah, it certainly is a uh, a great opportunity to have uh, you in the studio with us, and it's been a while since I've seen you. Certainly enjoyed my time serving with you, and uh, welcome to Minnesota Military Radio. Thank you both, Tom and Doug. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's great. It's great to see you, and you know, as Tom said, a, a distinguished career, uh, thirty eight years. Uh, that. That's uh, that's quite the accomplishment. I had 32 years. I know how I felt after that. Um, but why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got to joining the United States Air Force and what led you to where you are now today? Wow, well, great. You started as an enlisted airman, correct? That's correct. I served seven years enlisted. And I would definitely say... What got me to the end was great leaders, mentors, and the people of the Minnesota National Guard. And I say that because when I joined, I certainly didn't think I was going to be serving for 38 years, and I had no idea I'd ever become a general officer. But it really was the people alongside me, below me, and above me that were rooting me on and... Um, pushing me to go farther and set goals and achieve them. You know, I think it's interesting. So you started off as an enlisted, like many do, um, and you never dreamed of being a general officer. But at some point in time, 
you made a switch and uh, and you decided to go through a commissioning program, uh, become an officer, which then led you to the rank that you retired at. Uh, what was the motivation there to leave the enlisted ranks and then continue to pursue a, a career inside of, of the Air Force? Yeah, I think when I joined, I first just hoped I'd, I'd make it through basic training. <laughs> <laughs> but once I made it through basic training, my next objective was really to just get through that first term. And in the process, really meeting so many other people, other enlisted members that were working on degrees and really talking about getting commissions. And that was the motivation is really your pure, pure motivation. And then leaders helping you and telling you that you can do it. And so that's really where it started. And then um, really just continuing to hear those things. And once you achieve one objective, establishing new goals and reaching for them. But you, you don't do any of it alone. We're speaking with retired Brigadier General Sandra Best on Minnesota Military Radio. And General, uh, I see that you were commissioned in 1991, and I'm looking at your assignments. Uh, you spent most of your career with the 133rd Airlift Wing or over at the headquarters of the Minnesota National Guard. But there's a list of, uh, of jobs that you served in the 133rd that goes it's from soup to nuts. You were, you were all over that place uh, in in, in jobs that were increasingly more difficult and getting promoted along the way. That must have been quite a quite a tour. It's certainly what it's been a great journey. And many times those jobs, I wasn't looking for them. Somebody would tap you on a, a, your so, my shoulder and say, hey, have you thought about this? And initially I'd be resistant, but eventually, you know, you find out you can do it. I think that's one of the the neat things about our organization in particular, because I was a part of it, is the importance of the mentorship, uh, the importance of providing that um, inspiration or at least being able to say somebody, hey, look, we know you can do this. We have the faith and confidence, even though you might not. So if you reflect back on that, obviously you took the opportunities. You've had all these assignments. You've learned so much along the way. How How is that? How did that set you up for taking on the big responsibility of get, getting promoted to a one-star general? Because that's not a small feat. Yeah, I definitely will tell you my aha moment was when I realized that the leaders had been developing me for that opportunity, and I had no idea. Um, and that's where I really say to all leaders— you make a difference because um, I know many people made that difference for me. They believed in me before I did. In in the intro that Tom read, um, you know, it's not about you. You didn't use the fact that you were the Minnesota National Guard's first female general officer. You didn't use that to your advantage. You didn't, uh, you know, sit on that pedestal. But what, what does that mean to you to be the first female general officer inside the Minnesota National Guard? Yeah, I think it means that the the glass ceiling was shattered, and certainly it doesn't mean that there wasn't women who served before me that couldn't have done that job. It just meant that I was the fortunate one that got that opportunity. But there were um, women and individuals who made a big impact and paved the way before me, 
And what I hope it means after me is that, well, we already know I'm not the only one. There's been two other female general officers in Minnesota that went following me. And we hope there's going to be more. But I really look forward to the day when we don't have to make a big deal about women doing um, anything. General made the comment that through throughout your career, you served as equal opportunity officer, personnel officer uh, in logistics, uh, just walking up to more and more important jobs. And you made the point that leadership before you said, okay, let's see if she can do this. She did it. All right, let's see what she can do next. I know you because you've been on the show many times. Once you became that one-star general, you spent the last five years doing the same thing for young airmen to make sure that they got the opportunity to move up. How much fun was that? That is the funnest part of my journey, is unquestionably helping others achieve their goals and want, just like me, when they didn't know that they could do it, but they can, and helping them um, realize that. That is definitely a highlight of my career. And General, we've just got about a minute left here, but uh, from my observations, seems to me that you enjoyed having a couple of wingmen with you, those other two lady generals, uh, for several years. Absolutely. That has um, been a great ride for all of us to do that together so that you don't have to do it alone and you've got somebody to either commiserate with or definitely, <laughs> <laughs> definitely to share the good times as well. Or just sit back and say, okay, here's the job we got to do. How are we going to tackle this one? Yes, we can't, there's nothing we can't tackle together. Three minds are always better than, than one. And uh, uh, from what we've seen, the three of you have done an extraordinary job. And we're really pleased to have you here today. We're going to have to take a short break. When we come back, I want to talk about another position, maybe your, maybe your toughest deployment to Washington, D.C. as a special assistant uh, out there. Uh, and talk a little bit more about your career. We're speaking with retired uh, Brigadier General Sandy Best on Minnesota Military Radio. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons. My co-host in the studio today is Doug Wortham, and we have the honor of having a guest in the studio, retired Brigadier General Sandy Best, who was the uh, uh, first woman uh, to be promoted to the rank of general the Minnesota National Guard since its inception in 1856. And we talked a little bit about your career and all the, the succession of positions you've had with the 133rd Airlift Wing and, and over at headquarters. But in 2020, uh, you also served as special assistant to the chief of the National Guard Bureau, advising and assisting leaders across 54 states and territories in institutionalizing diversity and inclusion to attract, recruit, and retain a quality, inclusive, and equitable workforce that enabled National Guard formations to reflect the communities in which the Guard members serve across the country. General, that sounds like a great big job all over the country. How in the world were you? did you get that position, and how were you able to take care of it? That's a big job. Well, it was a big job, but I will first say I think the reason that I got the job was that Minnesota National Guard was doing such a great job at already advancing diversity, equity, and inclusion within our formation. And so we've spent the last decade plus doing that in Minnesota, and they wanted me to come and share our best practices really across the 54 states and territories to advance the, that same the same kinds of things for the rest of the National Guard. So does that require a lot of travel around the, around the country? It, has to, it must have. 
It did actually most of the time was in D.C. and then back here and certainly working within the regions to um, work with the the folks from the states that are um, specialized in those areas. But it was really sharing best practices, and a lot of people came to Minnesota to see what we were doing. And it was 2020, so it was during the pandemic, so you had to learn how to use technology and those things. Now, does that mean that uh, for for that period of time you were dual-headed because – you're a Brigadier General here in the Minnesota National Guard, Assistant TAG, and now a Special Assistant to the Chief of the National Guard Bureau. That's kind of a high honor, isn't it? Yes, it was an incredible honor, and it was really important to me to be able to still maintain my Minnesota National Guard connections as a Deputy Adjutant General. But yes, I was um, doing two different jobs during that period of time. So, Major, this, this lady had an incredible career. I'm, I'm just stunned. Absolutely. And, you know, I want to go back to a point that you made, and, and that was why you feel as though you were selected, all right? I mean, obviously, you had the skill set needed, and, and it's great to see that Minnesota, the Minnesota National Guard, once again, is leading the nation, um, especially as we talk about the diversity inclusion um, initiatives. I'm wondering if if you can maybe share a little bit about in your 38 years of service, you're specifically talking about um, diversity and inclusion, but also other aspects of your service. What what has changed or what has enhanced over the last 38 years from where it was to where it is now and, and where it's even heading in the future? Because I'm sure you've seen a lot in the whole gamut of things. Yeah, that's a, a great question and really um, 38 years, a lot of change has a- occurred, not only in the Minnesota National Guard, but in society at large. So really, we're a, um, a cosmic of the larger society. And what I've seen certainly is the same emphasis this last um, decade on really making, moving the needle. And the Minnesota National Guard really did that by getting everybody involved. It started with top leadership, as you know, because you were a part of it as well. But when we really got to um, making the biggest impact, it was when we shared it with our entire formation, when this became everyone's job, because we need um, people at the entry level um, with that mindset, which wasn't really the hard part. It was the the middle. We called it the frozen middle. But realistically, when everybody's on board through our spe- special emphasis programs and treating everyone with respect and dignity, um, it really makes it easy. And I think we're not done. We still have lots of room for improvement, but um, I think that we did make a lot of movement and progress. And I think you're exactly right. We went from talking about it to actually enforcing it and taking action. Um, and, and you're right, it did come with, I, I wouldn't say a lot of resistance, but it was something different than what the norm was. And uh, yeah, I mean, just what what a great thing to see happen inside of our organization to go from, you know, single digit um, in inclusion efforts, right? Let's just talk females in general to 25% now of the Minnesota Guard are, are female serving, and uh, we are providing opportunities for advancement, for additional promotions, for additional positions, and heck, general officer capability as well. Absolutely, and you used those um, metrics, but in addition to the females growing from um, single digits to actually, I think they were probably double digits, going to 25%, I 
we also tripled our diversity. So it's been significant over the last decade. Yeah, we can't forget about that because when we talk about diversity and inclusion, it's uh, the the gender piece of it as well. And we have to make sure we're including all of our people, which is what the inclusion piece is. We don't forget about who the majority is, but we take special emphasis to ensure there's opportunities created for those who might not feel like they get the opportunities or maybe would never have gotten the opportunity. Absolutely. I couldn't say it better. General, when you look back at your career, uh, are there some moments you're most proud of? I definitely think the moments that I'm most proud of are when airmen and soldiers or even civilian employees will point out examples where my leadership impacted their success. That is when I feel the most proud is to know people made it to retirement or achieved the, their goal um, in positions or rank um, because of something that I may have said or did or encouraged. That is um, my greatest memories and greatest accomplishments. Doug, one of the things that you experienced when you became the state command sergeant major is you spent your career on the Army side, but now you got to see the, the Air Force side and, and General Best was there. I'll bet that was just fascinating. It was, and, you know, we had the opportunity to spend a lot of time together, and it was much-needed time because as an Army person trying to understand the way the Air Force works, um, it's not necessarily an easy thing to do because things are just different. And so I remember spending uh, many um, afternoons or maybe mornings or days, I don't know, hours in your office asking for clarification, guidance, information, and then, of course, with the other senior enlisted members inside the uh, the Air Guard as well. Um, but I just want to say this about, about General Best. An extremely approachable leader who has true empathy for the person, and it didn't matter if it was a soldier or an airman or a civilian employee, you always had that empathy, that compassion and care for people. And, and that's what I remember and like the most about you because you did truly care for everybody. Thank you very much. And likewise, and the one thing I don't know if you're going to ask me is I feel very confident that the individuals that follow all three of us in the Minnesota National Guard are ready to take the baton and keep the same stellar performance going. General, I'm sure you had a challenge on your hands when he became the state command sergeant major. <laughs> you had to retrain this Army guy into, and t- teach him about the Air Force stuff. But he can learn, and he did a pretty good job, I think. He did, and he taught me the other side. Hua. <laughs> there you go. Absolutely. General, uh, now you're at a point, your career's over. Uh, retirement. Is that a scary word? What, what, what do you think about that after 38 years? Not scary. Individuals who have retired ahead of me have always told me, go towards the light when you get the opportunity. (laughs) (laughs) And although I'm less than 30 days into it, I look forward to the exploration and a lot of things that I haven't been able to do. And ma'am, I would guess that your husband has uh, supported your career for a long, long time. And he's been kind of waiting for you to retire. Is is it his turn maybe to call a few shots? Let's try this. Let's try that. Absolutely. Yes. We're going to do some things that he's been looking forward to do to include uh, moving into our new retirement home, which was kind of his last year's project. And that's where we're starting. 
General, one last question for all the young ladies out there listening to our show all over Minnesota. What would you have to say to them if they were thinking about a career in the Minnesota Air National Guard? I'd say absolutely do it. I would do it all over again after 38 years, and the opportunity is um, as, as as good as it's ever been. There's so many different career choices, education benefits, military retirement. Um, definitely consider opportunities in the Minnesota National Guard, Army, or Air. And the military family that you've met over those decades. Absolutely. The people are what make it worth the journey. General, I think you've had an incredible career, and I'm, I'm thrilled that you could join us in the studio today, and we wish you all the best in retirement. I hope you have a great time. Thank you so much, Tom and Doug. It's a pleasure to be here. Great to see you, ma'am. That was retired Brigadier General Sandy Best on Minnesota Military Radio. Please stay with us. When we come back, we're going to talk about a brand-new yellow ribbon company here in Minnesota. Welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons. My co-host in the studio today is Doug Wortham. And in a moment, we're going to meet a new yellow ribbon company here in Minnesota. But first, it's time for the Commissioner's Corner, a weekly update from the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs. Now, here's Commissioner Larry Herkey. Over the last few months, I have traveled many miles while visiting the facilities and staff that make the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs the successful organization that it is. During these visits, I have met hundreds of our team members, and I am humbled by the work that they do each and every day. I relay to you that I have been very pleased with the attitude and professionalism that I have witnessed at both the veterans' homes and programs and service staff. I continue to get unsolicited positive feedback in regards to the way our staff engages with veterans throughout Minnesota. I am so proud of the work they do for our nation's heroes. It is an extraordinary honor for me to represent the veterans here in Minnesota. I assure you that we will be 100% dedicated to our mission of serving Minnesota veterans and their families. Thank you, Commissioner Herkey. For more information, please go to minnesotamilitaryradio.com. Doug, uh, over the years on this show, uh, a big part of what the Minnesota National Guard has done is develop the Beyond the Yellow Ribbon networks and programs, and that means that they've uh, found a lot of communities uh, to join and become Yellow Ribbon to support their military families, particularly to support those families while the deployments are on. And as you all know, there's been a lot of a lot of deployments since 2001. But they've also, in the last half dozen years or a little longer, uh, signed up uh, companies to become yellow ribbon companies, and we've had a couple dozen of those on. And you've got a new one coming on today that's going to be proclaimed early next month. Yeah, sure do. And, you know, I'm not the uh, yellow ribbon lady, as you used to uh, refer to Annette, but I do have the uh, distinct pleasure uh, to introduce from Prime Therapeutics, a new yellow ribbon company. We have um, Zabrina Watkins and Marcus Crusoe. Welcome to Minnesota Military Radio, to both of you. Thank you. Marcus, I, I want to start with you. First, what is Prime Therapeutics? Uh, excuse me. Prime Therapeutics is a pharmaceutical benefits management company. Um, what our main cause is to get people the drugs and medications they need so they can feel better and live well. Okay. And I understand that you served in the military. Yes, uh, over or seventeen. You're serving still. Yep, still serving. Uh, I'm currently in the Army Reserves. Uh, been in for over seventeen years. A master sergeant at the six forty fourth Regional Support Group as a chemical, biological, radiological, nuclear, non commissioned officer. Wow, and and recently promotions uh, promoted. So congratulations you. Uh, to you for that for your service. Uh, thank you very much. And so what is your role then? What what do you do at Prime Therapeutics? I'm a director of network compliance. So 
when you think of networks, it's a lot of people go straight to IT. Uh, in this case, it's more from a healthcare standpoint. So when you think of a network, you think of a network of providers. And what network ma- management does is we try to find um, the give people the, the easiest access to a pharmacy to get their medication at the lowest possible cost. So that's really what network management, we serve this entire community, whichever it's internal community or external community being our clients, the members of those clients, uh, and, and our internal employers, employees. And Zabrina, what, what is your connection to the military? I mean, why did you want to be involved in the uh, group to help form and turn Prime Therapeutics into a yellow ribbon company? That's a great question. So I am the director of diversity, equity, and inclusion at Prime. Uh, and part of one of the things that I do at my job is I oversee our employee resources groups. And so in 2021, we actually uh, onboarded our uh, veterans, families, and allies ERG. Uh, and so with that group, you know, what Prime really wanted to do is show support for our military uh, families uh, and our employees. And, you know, with that group, we really just put together an action plan to show that outward support, uh, even when our um, employees had to, you know, be away from work as well. Um, like, I, like I said, it just was really important for Prime to say that we are there and we do support our um, our military families uh, and our employees. So with, with the position that you had, you know, obviously you're always looking for ways to um, increase that inclusion piece. The the veterans obviously are a, um, a category of people that you want to attract to to the company. So I understand from the perspective of um, your position, y- you want to do this. So Marcus, why did you want to get involved? I mean, other fact that you serve, but uh, was there a a call to action, as you stated, uh, Sabrina, and you just responded to it and said, yep, you know what, I I can bring some experience to this because I'm a military member. Let me help. Let me get involved. Yeah, absolutely. So 2008, as we all remember, the recession hit, and that's when I came off of active duty. So not really knowing of any resources and knowing where, you know, what companies are looking for or or knowing the value of our veterans and seeing an opportunity to, you know, uh, get a yellow ribbon program at Prime Therapeutics to identify that as well and actually serve our members is kind of what got me going on it. So, you know, back in 2008 to 2022, not just with Prime Therapeutics, but in general, just the different resource groups that are out there that, uh, that, uh, that are bringing veterans into the the, the, the workforce. Mm-hmm. Um, I, if I had an opportunity to be a part of it, that's that's why I joined. And so, what what kind of efforts, uh, Zabrina? I'll come to you. What kind of efforts, um, as you've kind of rolled out this plan, as you got the yellow ribbon uh, company um, proclamation coming up? But I know you went through an action plan. But what are the things that you're doing now to attract? to retain, uh, to really support that service member, that veteran community? Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that we do is, you know, just kind of in our recruiting efforts, you know, we, we have identified positions within our company where those positions are where we feel like those are the right positions for, you know, veterans and, and military, uh, employees. And so we, we actively recruit certain positions, uh, and then we are involved in just kind of recruiting efforts within our community in which, you know, Marcus is also very heavily involved in those as well. Um, and then we kind of look at our policies, our internal policies and see how can we, is there anything that we need to change within our policies that best serve that demographic? Or are there things that we need to, um, 
policies that we need to add to show that we are in support of that. And so that's one of the things that we've been doing as well. And, you you know, we've looked at our internal things and said, this will show support. Uh, This will, um, you know, this will, we feel that it will bring in more, you know, more um, service members to our organization. And so, Marcus, as you've gone through the program or the process, um, is there something that really sticks out to you that you're like, this is going to make a difference to help to attract or to retain veterans? Yeah, absolutely. I I think... um, what we had before, and it's no fault of Prime whatsoever, it was just kind of a lack of education and understanding there was a need out there, was the uh, 10-day uh, military PTO. So before it was a difference in pay, if you were gone, you know, whatever you got paid by Prime, um, whatever the difference was, what you get paid from the military, they would make up if you lost anything. Um, and it, it was myself and two other veterans that were actually on the committee that said, you know, that's great that you're doing something because there's a lot of companies that do nothing. But, you know, it'd be really great if you told me that I could have that two week training paid for and I can use PTO for it instead of using my personal PTO. And kind of go into detail around that is what I've been doing for the past <laughs> however many years, 17 years, uh, 15 years or 16, 15, 14 years in the, the reserves is I've been using my personal PTO. To when I go to all my military training. So I've had no vacation time with my family. It's uh, I maybe one or two days throughout an entire year. And now Prime came up with this. The HR said, yep, this is going to be our new policy. So now I can actually enjoy a, a vacation with my family throughout the year. And that's a big sell for me to be able to continue to serve and also spend time with my family. You know, and I don't think that that's something that really uh, people generally would give even a second thought to, right, right. about that additional uh, allowance of time off. Uh, without having to get charged your personal time. So, you know, kudos to Prime for for bringing that in. And uh, especially when we talk about, like, even the differential pay, uh, because we do know that uh, people that join the military, they're not going to come out of the military rich. And, uh, you know, often, you know, working less than what or getting paid less than what maybe their counterpart might be in in the civilian sector. So another great uh, deal to bring into and and afford your veteran uh, community inside of uh, Prime Therapeutics. I think that's a a great, uh, a great benefit to have. So we've got about 30 seconds left. And and generally, when we ask questions, you know, of course, then we'll, we'll get into a great answer, and I don't want to cut you off at the time. So what I want to do is I just want to take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll talk a little bit about your journey to becoming that uh, Yellow Ribbon Company, and uh, we'll get some more details and then talk about the big proclamation coming up. So this is Minnesota Military Radio. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm Doug Wortham along with Tom Lyons here in the uh, studio, and uh, we've been having a conversation with the newest Yellow Ribbon Company, Prime Therapeutics, and I'm speaking with Zabrina Watkins and Marcus Caruso. Uh, Zabrina, I want to come back to you. Uh, Marcus was talking about the great things that uh, Prime Therapeutics is doing for the military members when they go off on service. Um, The not getting charged for their personal PTO or time off, um, the pay differential. But are there other things that Prime Therapeutics is doing specifically for the service members and veterans inside of the organization? Yeah, so an additional thing that Prime uh, currently does is we offer free cognitive behavior uh, program. So that program provides online resources, uh, support groups, and clinical assessments, um, such as 
anxiety, stress, depression, insomnia. Uh, so that is a great program that, it, like I said, it is free to employees as well as families of those employees as well. Uh, and then we also provide resources for suicide prevention as well. One of the really great resources that we have is our employee resource network. Um, and so that is a resource network for our um our veterans, families, and allies uh, that is uh, made up of employees within the company. And they really come together uh, to talk about, um, you know, how to improve, you know, things that we are doing within the company, how to provide better support, uh, and just how to be a true ally. And so that employee resource network gets out in the community as well. Uh, and like I said, uh, mentioned before, whether that is being involved in recruiting uh, events, whether that is being involved in community activities such as golf tournaments or whatever that looks like. But again, just to kind of show that support uh, to say that we are here, we are available to anyone that wants to join. You do not have to be a veteran or military or a spouse, you can definitely be an ally as well. And so that is uh, a really great support uh, system that we have there. And it grows. Um, it's 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 very new. Uh, it just started in 2021, but it is continuing to grow with our employee base as well. And as you kind of do this assessment, I mean, over time from where you started to where you are now becoming a yellow ribbon company, uh, really promoting um, and trying to get your current uh, veterans um, involved, attracting new veterans, uh, service members to come work for uh, Prime Therapeutics. What, in your opinion, is one of the advantages to having uh, current service members or veterans on your team at Prime Therapeutics? You know, I think a huge advantage is bringing that um, diverse perspective. You know, there there are so many, you know, pockets and gaps that uh, that can be identified where you just don't have like a different perspective. You know, me personally, I feel that, you know, someone with, you know, military experience, a veteran, they they've seen so much and they've seen the world. And, you know, and, and you know, like I said, just kind of putting a different lens on things, providing mm-hmm. a different uh, perspective, different feedback. Uh, that's one of the things that I've definitely seen with uh, employees that I have worked with uh, at Prime. Yeah, and one of the things I think many yellow ribbon companies will talk about is just the different level of leadership that gets brought into just because of the paid leadership training that our military members end up going through um, throughout their, their careers. So you make in, um, commitments to engaging with military support efforts, uh, communities you guys are involved now as a yellow ribbon uh, community, you're in this vast network. Do you think now that that's going to um, help you um, to promote some of your hiring as well? And well, are you hiring? Absolutely. We are, we are absolutely hiring. We are always hiring. And I think that uh, it will help, you know, with our promoting because it is letting, you know, folks know that we are here. Uh, we are available. We are support. We want you uh, here for our company. And so, you know, we are taking steps and actions and initiatives to um, provide resources and show support. And so we want folks to, to come. We want you to come to Prime. And uh, Marcus, when did the, when did the process start? To become a yellow ribbon company, uh, I'm not exact on the date. I know it started, I think, like a year and a half or almost two years ago uh, when it was first discussed with uh, the former director and ABP at Prime Therapeutics to get things rolling and reaching out to Annette. Um, it the 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 work plan. I, if I I wish we had a visual right now, if you could take a look at it, but the amount of people involved with that work plan and the efforts that had to go into that mm-hmm. were 
I don't want to say astronomical, very doable, but it was challenging. So when you think about other companies out there that want to be a yellow ribbon program, there's, you know, it's, it's, it's going to take some work. Uh, but the effort that you put into that, which is why I'm really proud to work at Prime Therapeutics, shows, you know, the investment we have in our veterans and our military and their family members to become a yellow ribbon program to try to bring those people in. And did you, were you there really at its inception once uh, the call went out to start forming this action yes. committee? Yep. And raised my hand right away. It's, it, it, there was, I think there's like four or five veterans that you know, right away at varying positions that wanted to be a part of this, just recognizing the value. Yeah. And Sabrina, lessons learned over the last 18 months, two years, whatever it's been, what is the big takeaway? Um, if you're talking to other people, hey, here's maybe something that we didn't do so well on. So uh, look at this, but then here are some of the things that really worked for us. You know, I would say, you know, we are still very early in our journey with this, but I would say some of the lessons learned is really listen, listen to your employees, listen to, you know, listen to, you know, like I said, our employee resource group, listen to what they have to say, what, um, listen to their wants and needs and what would best support them. Um, that's something that we definitely learned over time. And that is, that was really the only way that we could work on an action plan, roll out things that we felt that, you know, our employees and their families needed was to really just kind of listen. Yeah, that's, that's really, uh, sound advice. Um, and the great thing is, is now that you're part of this um, network, the Yellow Ribbon Company Network, you've got a bunch of resources available because this isn't one and done now. This is something that's going to continue on and something that you have to always work at and, and maintain um, and continue to grow. Awesome. Well, we are uh, just about out of time, and I just want to say uh, thank you so much for coming to the studio. Congratulations on becoming a Yellow Ribbon Company, and uh, we wish you the best of luck. And uh, again, thanks for joining us on Minnesota Military Radio. That is Zabrina Watkins and Marcus Caruso. Thank you, Doug. Joining me now is Marty Howes, who's the president of the Minnesota Association of County Veteran Service Officers and the Roseau County's Veteran Service Officer. Marty, welcome back to the show. Hi, Tom. Thank you. Seems like I just saw you. We were up to the fall conference up at uh, Grandview and uh, recorded uh, the show Monday at lunch, and then you went on for the rest of Monday and Tuesday. How did the fall conference go? The fall conference was just, you know, it, it was just, it went very well. I was uh, happy with the venue and the, and the quality of the trainers that we had that came up there. Uh, it just it, it just surprises me, the, the kind of people that we get that are professional and the information that they can pass on to help us out. I'd like to see in a picture of that dinner banquet, I think you were all supposed to be wearing Hawaii shirts. Did that work? Yeah, we did. We uh we we uh, brought out a themed uh, themed event, and people took uh, a liking to it. You could say, and uh, I think we were at around 187 people, which I think is probably the largest uh, banquet that we've ever had in in our history. So it was it was impressive. And you thought you were in Oahu, but what you were really up there to do is do some training and learn about resources. Right, right. Well, and then with that training and those resources, while we build up. Uh, up those relationships too. It's it's also re-energizing. So when you get back to the office, you've got this new information, and you want to get out there and you want to you want to see veterans. You want them to come into your office and you want to be like, hey, I got something for you, or I'm going to help you. And and you know, it just it just gives you that that little shot, and it 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 just feels good, you know. 
Marty, every time we talk, we're talking about VA benefits and, and education and learning about all that stuff. But we're coming up on open enrollment for uh, Medicare and supplements and things like that. Uh, do your county veteran service officers help our veterans with, with that as well? Yeah, they do. In fact, uh, there's a lot of those uh, those uh, policymakers out there that uh, provide us with information. Sometimes it's pamphlets or booklets that we can hand out that are free of charge where they're they can get their supplement um, at no charge as long as they're enrolled into the VA. And one of the one of the biggest things that's coming out is I, I know that there's one for sure, and I don't know if there's more, that not only will they give you a, a, a deduction off of your Part B premium, you can get up to $3,000 in dental benefits, and you're not paying anything for this supplement. So it's a great option. Well, it's good information, and that's what we talk about with your county veteran service officers and and uh, Marty, we talked about the fact that all of your CVSOs are veterans, uh, and you usually you only hear from people if there's a problem. But for all of those CVSOs that are doing a really good job, how can the veterans uh, congratulate them? You know, one of the one of the best things that they can do is that is they can get out there and talk to their county commissioners and let them know about their experience, let them know about the good things that happened out of that office and and what kind of a change it made to their life, and. Uh, and that in itself right there is the biggest thank you we as CVSOs can get because they get a lot of complaints, but they don't always get to hear all the compliments. Well, I hope some of our veterans take the time to do that because your folks do a great job. Marty, thanks for joining us again today. Thank you, Tom. It was a pleasure to be here. I appreciate it. It was Marty Howes, the president of the Minnesota Association of County Veteran Service Officers on Minnesota Military Radio. We have one mention today. The Minnesota Department of Revenue reminds the state's military service members to claim a refundable military tax credit before it expires. There are over 2,800 service members that were eligible for the 2018 Credit for Military Service in the Combat Zone on Form M99, but only about half of them, or 1,400, have claimed it. The 2018 credit will expire on October 15, 2022, and the credit is $120 per month or partial month served, and Kuwait is considered a combat zone for this credit to uh, apply for it, uh, complete and send 2018 form N99 filed by mail. And once again, uh, you need to uh, get that in by October 15th, 2022. And after that, there are still credits available for 2019, 20, and 21. We're just about out of time. Thanks for listening to this edition of Minnesota Military Radio. I'd like to thank our guests for joining us this week, retired Brigadier General Sandy Best. Sabrina Watkins and Marcus Caruso from Prime Therapeutics, Marty Howes from the Minnesota Association of County Veteran Service Officers, my co-host, Doug Wortham, Commissioner Larry Herkey of the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs, and finally, Minnesota's Adjutant General, Major General Sean Mankey. Please join us next week as we record from a special event at Sutton Farms in support of the DAV and Vietnam Veterans in Minnesota. That's coming up next weekend on this station or online anytime at minnesotamilitaryradio.com. I'm Tom Lyons, and I hope that you make a difference in someone's life this week. Minnesota Military Radio is a production of iHeartMedia, the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs, the Minneapolis VA, Beyond the Yellow Ribbon, and the Minnesota National Guard. Your host is Tom Lyons, founder and owner of Phelan Partners Limited, a merger and acquisition advisory firm. Tom is a life member of the American Legion, VFW, Vietnam Veterans of America, and the DAV. For podcasts and the latest updates, follow us at minnesotamilitaryradio.com.